When we left our last session, we were discussing how our faith in the face of life's fires makes God smile. We pick up our study back in chapter 1, verse 7, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in, and I want us to focus on the next part of the verse, in praise and glory and honor. You will remember, this is not a reference to us praising, glorifying, and honoring God, but rather God praising, glorifying, and honoring us as we face the storms of life with peace and with joy. God's purposes for the trials we face may not be known in a week, a month, a year, or even a lifetime. But our attitude in the face of those trials will be rewarded in the life to come. Back to verse 7. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation. (coughs) Excuse me at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The first part of the phrase gives us the what. The second part of the phrase, uh, of the verse gives us the when, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation is the word apocalypse. It is the same exact word we use in the last book of the New Testament, the apocalypsis, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's what Peter is saying. When the curtain of time is pulled back and the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed, unveiled in all of his splendor and glory, we will witness at that very moment the smile on his face placed there as a result of us facing the trials of life with peace and joy because we consider ourselves worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ. What a mouthful, but boy, what a day to look forward to. So we live in a way that we can see him smile on that day. I I think of Paul's last will and testament in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter Words that Timothy himself will read through a torrent of tears as he mourns the loss of his great mentor. But Paul is coming to the end of his life. He knows he is coming to the end of his life. And as he writes 2 Timothy, he knows that by the time this letter is delivered to Timothy, he will have died. And he writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. The same concept Peter is conveying to these suffering saints in 1 Peter. As a result, in the future, notice what he says, in the future, not now, 
He's acknowledging that it's not a present reward, it is a future reward. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. What day? Stay with me. And not only to me, here it is, but also to all, that is us, who have loved his appearing. When will he receive his reward? Paul says on that day, future event, when the Lord Jesus appears. And that is our motivation for enduring the storms of life with joy. Because we know as we face life's storms, as we face those storms with a tested faith and a trusted faith, that faith in the midst of life's storms makes God smile. Not only that, but on the day he comes, the revelation, the unveiling, the revealing of Jesus Christ, we will be rewarded for that faithfulness in the face of those trials. We continue in verse 8. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. As I look at, at verse 8, I am convinced that Peter must have penned these words with both great heartache and great admiration. I want you to think about this. Peter had seen the Lord. He had witnessed the miracles of the Lord. He had seen the blind receive sight. The lame began to dance. The dead breathed the breath of fresh new life. He had witnessed the transfiguration when the glory of Jesus' divinity burst through the fleshly trappings of his humanity. He had witnessed it all. He had seen it all. He had even boasted, even though all may fall away from you, yet I will never fall away. And yet a series of simple inquiries made by several seemingly insignificant individuals caused Peter to deny the Lord Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. We find the record in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Jesus has already been arrested in the garden. He has been taken away. The apostles have scattered. And then we pick it up in verse 69 of Matthew 26. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl, not a person of authority, not a person connected with the Sanhedrin, or the Pharisees, or the Romans, a servant girl, came to him and said, you two are with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, not just before the servant girl, he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you were talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl, seemingly insignificant individual, saw him and said to those who were there, 
This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. I am convinced Peter was forgiven. Peter knew he was forgiven, but in his mind, it was never, ever forgotten. And perhaps the incredible courage of these suffering saints who had never seen Jesus, who had never walked with Jesus, who had never talked to Jesus, who had never personally witnessed the incredible resurrection of Jesus, but who still loved him fiercely and followed him passionately, took Peter's mind back to his denial. And not only back to his denial, but back to words he had heard uttered by Jesus in the upper room. Words that resonated so deeply and captured so accurately the fierce faith of these suffering saints. But, but, but let, let me let you make the connection yourself. In John chapter 20, John chapter 20, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 19. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the Lord, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst, and he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And that is where we get the phrase, Doubting Thomas. Verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, which brings us to verse 29. Here they are, 
the words reverberating through the corridors of Peter's heart as he pens this precious epistle. Words he remembers as if they were spoken yesterday, but words that were being lived out before him in the lives of these suffering saints. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those, this is connection with Peter. Blessed are those who did not see and yet believe. Back to verse Peter. Look at the connection. In 1 Peter chapter 1, that verse I just read, verse 8, and though you have not seen him, you love him. Do you see the connection? between the words uttered to Thomas in the upper room and the words Peter shares with these precious saints who were suffering for the faith? As a result, he continues, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Now lock in on that phrase, with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Notice Peter does not refer to their happiness. He refers to their joy. And there is a tremendous difference between the two. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. Happiness is based upon what happens around us. Joy is based on what happens within us. Happiness occurs by chance. Joy occurs by choice. Or think of it this way. Happiness is like cosmetics. Joy is like character. Happiness is a thermometer. It registers temperature. But joy is like a thermostat. It regulates temperature. And Peter is saying to these suffering saints, we can rejoice with a joy beyond anything words can express because our faith forsaking all, I trust him and hope a bedrock guarantee of a future inheritance rooted in a past event is rooted in Christ, protected by Christ and will ultimately be fulfilled and revealed in Christ. And that is what Peter is admiring about these suffering saints. Again, verse 8, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. It is a joy beyond words and a glory of highest praise all because they believe, the Greek word is pisteos, it means entrusted, because they entrusted their soul's eternity to a Jesus whom they had not seen, but whom they fiercely followed. The end result, verse 9, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, that is the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We discussed in, in one session the process of salvation, justification, sanctification, 
glorification. Three big churchy words, which simply describes the totality of our salvation experience. I have been saved. I am being saved. And as Peter reminds us, on that day, I will be saved. And that, my friend, is why I am saved, heaven-bound, rather fight and switch. What about you? We'll see you next session. Thank you for joining us in this session from First Peter. As you have been following us through this session, you have learned that Peter is seeking to encourage saints in the midst of their suffering by pointing them to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them. So 1 Peter is a letter of encouragement, and we hope this session has been an encouragement to you. If it has encouraged you, please let us know that. Knowing that we've encouraged you encourages us. If you are following us on YouTube, you can simply post a comment, or you can reach us at wordpowermm at gmx.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know how we can minister to you further. So please reach out to us. Hopefully, we'll see you next session. God bless.